We've been taking a journey over the last couple of weeks, this week being week three of our vision series for 2022, uh, which we have, which I have titled Build. Generally, every year for the last, oh, many years actually, be, be a decade at least, probably around September, October, I ask, start asking God, okay, what's the word, Lord? What's the word? And uh, each year he's tended to give me either a phrase or a word that is going to be the descriptor for the year to come. And, and this year, as I, as I uh, shared with you in week one of this series, the word God gave me was build. <clears throat> Excuse me. So over the last two weeks, we've looked at the there and the here, our story, some of our history. Last week, we looked at our SOPs, our standard operating practices. Um, and if you've missed those two, uh, two messages, um, if you Please, Margo, that uh, um, web line, that web address along the bottom there. If you've missed any of our messages and you want to keep up to speed with where we as a church are going, on our website every week, uh, Suzanne uh, puts our, the message, the audio up on our website. They also go onto iTunes podcasts. And so, um, and plus, you know, with our live streaming, a big hallelujah and a hello to everyone who's joining us online this morning. God bless. Hey, can we join our online family this morning? Can we just welcome them? You guys rock. Thank you for joining us. And Rachel, thank you for being our amazing host this morning. So there's three ways that you can catch up. You can go onto our website, onto the sermons, underneath the Grow tab. You see it along, it says Grow at the top. And you click on that and the sermons will come up. You can go onto iTunes Podcasts or you can go onto our Facebook page because uh, the video, the, our online stream that we are streaming right now live to you and all the world um, stays up for a, for a while and it's there so you can catch up on the whole thing. So there's really no excuse for missing out. If you've got, a, if you've got a, a computer, a phone, or, an, or a tablet of some form, there's really no excuse. So today, we're going to wrap up this whole series, and we're going to look at the where. So we've looked at the there, the here, and we're going to look at the where, what's ahead of us. So let me just bring to you, to your memory, the four foundational Bible verses or Scripture verses that are the real core of this whole series, and we're wanting to build into this whole year. Okay, the first one is Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong and in the truth that you are taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Let your lives be built on him. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. First Corinthians 3, verse 9. For we are both God's workers... And you are God's field, you are God's building. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, present yourselves as building stones for the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life in which you will serve as holy priests offering Christ-approved lives to God. All four of those verses have a specific around being built or building or building each other up. And I'm absolutely convinced that this year, God wants some significant construction to happen in our own personal lives, in the lives of our families, and in the lives of our immediate community and the life of our wider community. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit more shortly. Bringing the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus into our world, we have it blazoned on our wall of our auditorium. That has been our vision and our mission statement for, uh, I was trying to count up, it's, it's at least a decade and as I stated in week one of this series, I am representing this whole thing to the church because it hasn't changed. 
It hasn't changed. God has not changed his mind. (laughs) So it's good for us to listen to that. So I rounded out last week. Remember last week was about the here, our standard operating practices. I rounded out last week with these thoughts. Regardless of where you work or what you do, your job is your kingdom assignment. What is an assignment? It is a specific calling to effect change in an environment. Because of the Spirit of God living and dwelling and moving and operating in and through and out of you, you, can, you, are, you are a walking, talking, living, breathing, atmospheric change agent. You can change the atmosphere in any room that you can walk in. Now, many people change it without the Spirit of God. They normally change it because they've got a really stink attitude. And they're grumpy and they're nasty and the the whole atmosphere comes down. But you can bring life, hope and purpose into any room you walk into by the Spirit of God. Anyone anyone up for that? Awesome. As kingdom believers, I want you to get this. As kingdom believers, we're not called to survive the workplace. But we are to seek its transformation for the glory of God. Now that lines up with the very first commandments in the book of Genesis. Go forth and multiply, and then the next line, you dominion. Now, it's not because we, we become authoritarian, but we are ambassadors for the king. It's called a kingdom of God because he's a king. It's not the democratic, democratically voted presence or principality of God. It's the kingdom of God, and we are ambassadors for the king. A deep and a personal realization of what Christ has done for us should compel us to live for him. If nothing else, out of worship and gratefulness. So before we go anywhere else, let's just pray. Let's make this an altar moment. Father, we come before you. We pause. We breathe. And we lean into you. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over every assignment the devil would unleash against this place and every person who's joining us now live online or any person who listens or watches this cast broadcast in days to come. Lord, your word is alive, it's true, it's accurate, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can divide between soul and spirit, the thoughts and the intents of our heart. It can bring down vain imaginations, and it can take out demonic presences. So, Lord, we lean into your word this morning. Come and write in our hearts today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I need to lay a bit of a foundation this morning, because when it comes to talking about vision or mission, there's one question that many ask, and that question is this. What is God's will for my life? Anyone here ever ask that question? (laughs) What is God's will for my life? People put their lives on hold until they hear from God. They won't move. They won't act. They won't become invested. I haven't heard from God. But you know what? In truth, every single one of us actually have heard from God. To understand God. To understand God's will, we've got to, we must go to the Bible. Yes, you know what? There are godly people around us with valuable thoughts, valuable insight and wisdom. But however, it is vital that we seek, God, seek God's truth above all. No amount of human reasoning or input can ever replace what we find in the Bible. 
So perhaps this morning, instead of asking, what is God's will for my life? We should ask a far simpler question. What is God's will? See, if I come back to one of our foundation verses, Colossians 2.7, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, this doesn't mean God doesn't have plans for you. He does. Nor does it mean he's not personally invested in you. He is. And it doesn't mean that he hasn't gifted you with specific gifts for specific reasons and specific things because he has. But instead of asking, what is God's will for my life? We ask, what is God's will? It lines us up because, see, God's plans and God's will are to accomplish his purposes, not ours. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 is often used when teaching about how each of us will have a gift and things like that. And we all get focused on us. But I want to read to you this verse, and it's, it's a bit highlighted at the end. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. That terrifies me. <laughs> Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then, then everything you do will what? Bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. We all like the bit about, oh yeah, we've got gifts, so we've got to do that. But why? It's actually to fulfill God's will. Not our plans or our desires. In seeking understanding of God's will, there are many things that we know we are to do, and there are things that he has yet to reveal. What I'm saying here is when it comes to God's will, there is both the known will of God and the unknown will of God. For example, we find many commands in the Bible from God that we actually know. Love God and others, Matthew 22. Don't gossip, Ephesians 4. Don't murder, Matthew 5. Be honest, Colossians 3. Be generous, Luke 12. Help others, Philippians 2. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks always, First Thessalonians. These are the known will of God because guess what? They're in the Bible. It's a clue. Now, you know what, I, and I, I am so guilty, I am so guilty of this next statement. It's so common for Christians to do great things or desire to do great things for the kingdom of God. But before we can, we need to consider how important it is to build the kingdom within us, within ourselves. The unknown will of God is much more exciting much more exciting. I remember I carried a dream for, for, for decades of preaching internationally at a conference. And then I was asked to do it. And all of a sudden, it was right up in my grill. And I was terrified. Because you see, while it was out there, it was exciting and it was safe. But as soon as it was right here, it was like, um, 
Am I qualified? Do I know enough? Can I do it? <laughs> You're all that self-doubt and everything like that. Why do we need to build the kingdom in us? Because God's called us to take the kingdom out. The unknown will of God is so exciting for us, whilst the known will of God, which includes many clear instructions, isn't so exciting. So we ignore it. Let me get a little bit more transparent on that. We want to know what he has for us tomorrow, but we disobey him today. Picture this. What if we directed our desire to God's known will and every day we do the things we actually know to do? What would change? How different would the world be? You know what? We may not know the path ahead of us when it comes to our career, but we do know that it's God's will for us to serve our current employers faithfully as if we were serving God himself. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And we certainly don't know what our financial situation will be in 15 years' time. But we do know that it is God's will for us to be generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure now, Luke chapter 16, verse 10, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large, large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. You know what? God is looking for people who are faithful and obedient to his known will. Because if we are not, it is highly unlikely that he will reveal his unknown will to us. See, if we carry on in Luke chapter 16, verse 11 says this, If you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? See, we've got to get so much better at doing God's known will so that he can trust us with what is his unknown will currently. So let's be loving, kind, generous, honest, trustworthy, and grateful people because you might have heard this phrase, Big doors swing on small hinges. How about this one? It's often the completion of ordinary tasks that lead to extraordinary outcomes. Any professional athlete knows these. You have got to do the basics to be able to be fit enough to do the great. So, who does God use in these situations? We're looking at the where. We're looking at where we're going. Who is God going to use? God is going to use those who are prepared. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 says this, If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. Um, if you want to get a really deeper study and an understanding on this, I, I, I haven't put it in my notes because it would have taken up the rest of my message. But there is a very, very powerful parable in the Bible about the ten, uh, ten maidens who were coming to meet the bridegroom. Ten of them, but only five of them make it. They all were going to the same place. They all knew why they were going to the same house to meet the same person, the bridegroom. 
But only five of them were prepared. The other five were not. And only five of them made it. You know what that parable is? That parable is about the church. Whether you are called to business, art, education, politics, medicine, or ministry, the princi- this principle is immutable. I love that old-fashioned word. Immutable means unchangeable. It cannot be changed. Opportunity and trust comes to those who are prepared. I believe there is a longing, a longing in the heart of God that his church would not only be a refuge from the city, but it would be a refuge for the city. Every Elam church in this nation has a a bit of a catch cry, and it is that we are a center of hope. So what could this look like? Imagine this. I have spent a lot of time dwelling and dreaming on these next couple of statements. Imagine the power and the presence of God on everyone, everywhere. The church... The church filling the city, every industry, every family, every school, every neighborhood with the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus. Just, just let that. You know, we often pray about revival, and in our heads, it's like God touches down in a church. What would it look like if God decided to touch down in the middle of Kmart? Countdown, the forecourt of a petrol station. I dream of the power of God touching down in the middle of a hospital. Supernatural healings. In the middle of a psychiatric ward, supernatural deliverances. I dream of that stuff. Imagine people being led to faith in Jesus in the office, in the classroom, in the playground, in the supermarket. You see, we don't just invite people to church. We invite people to Jesus. Imagine it being normal for people to come to faith in every building that you are in. I immediately heard a, just then, It's like, how would I lead someone to Jesus? Well, go back to the known will of God. Read your Bible. Read the book of Romans. I remember as a young man, there's a thing called the Roman road. Look it up on Google. The Roman road, the road to salvation. It's right through the book of Romans. I don't have time to unpack it. How do I lead someone to Jesus? Well, start by reading the roadmap. You know, there have been prophecies for years about God doing a phenomenal move of power in New Zealand. Smith Wigglesworth himself, one of the greatest evangelists the world had ever known, in 1922 stood on the foreshores of Picton and prophesied that a move of God was going to start at the top of the South Island. Just as recent as uh, just three weeks ago, I was sent an email of a guy, a prophet in America, prophesying exactly the same thing starting in Nelson. I've heard it spoken of starting in the lower end of the South Island and sweeping like a tsunami across the whole nation from south to north. Some years ago, uh, Pastor Bill Hybels, who was a past leader of the Willow Creek Church in the USA, was in New Zealand and he was interviewed by a uh, prominent church leader. He was asked this question, what are your thoughts about the words of prophecy declaring the move of God in New Zealand? This was his response. Those words... 
have been successful in producing passivity, passivity in New Zealand's church and Christians who have heard and they're happy to sit and wait. There is only one time in the Bible that I've heard of a crowd of spectators. And they're called a great crowd of witnesses. And it's the heroes of the, of the Bible standing in the heavens shouting at us, Go, you good thing! In multiple languages. And I guess Old King James as well. But they're the, that's the only time I've heard in the Bible... Of people who were spectators, but they were active spectators. We have not been called to, to, to shout from the bleachers. In actual fact, we have been invited by God to partner with Him. We have been invited onto the field. Another one of our core verses in 1 Corinthians 3 you are both, we are both God's workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. We've been called onto the field. Here are some thoughts that may may just rattle up your thinking, but I want you to, to, to follow me through on them. Our role is not to win the lost. Our role is simply to partner with God, to work together to release what is good. Perhaps God simply wants to heal a broken heart so that they may receive love. For without that, all the good news in the world is just going to bounce off. Every Super Kids holiday program, Amber stands with the leaders and this is what she says to them. In years to come, they probably won't remember what you said and they probably won't remember what you do, but they will absolutely remember how you made them feel. Here's the next thought. Our role is not to question how God moves, but to move with him as he moves. The way we think God should move must not interfere with the way he is actually moving. If we merely wait for a greater anointing in the church, we will miss our appointment in the field. God has an appointment for you in your world. He has an anointing for you in your world. And he has an assignment for you in your world. We are called to give away what he has given us. Give it away to the lost. And his promise is that when we do, I'll give you more. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says this, Now he who provides or supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Oh, man. Does that light any fires this morning? Now he who supplies seed to the sower The known will of God. What do we do with seed? We sow it. We, he who provides seed to the sower. And bread for food will also supply and what? Increase your store of seed and will what? Enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That harvest is not going to increase if we don't sow what we've been given. I'm sure, no, I'll go further than that. I am convinced with God you can come alive in his presence, bringing his life to every environment, spilling contagious hope into humanity, 
being entrusted with a purpose and an assignment to lead your world into life. You see, this, these three words, they are our values, but they're also our mission. And they are, they are, they're, a, they're both a circle, but they're also a helix for those of you who are geometry-minded. Life leads to hope, leads to purpose, which what? Leads back to life. There's your circle. But if we do it in a helix pattern, life leads to hope, leads to purpose, leads to life, leads to hope, leads to purpose, leads to life, leads to hope, leads to purpose. We are not planets in orbit except for orbiting around God himself. We don't just sit and spin, we stand and we walk. Will we see the Bible that God has given us? Will we see the known will of God when we read the Bible? And when you do, when you do, this is what you'll see. That he has given you the authority to bring him into the city, not into the church. See, Jesus is very, very clear on this. I will build my church, he says. You have the keys of the kingdom. He invites us to take the keys of the authority that he's giving us into our homes, into our close community, into our wider community and beyond. For what? To bring the life, hope and purpose of Jesus into that world. To introduce that world to God. This reference, Matthew 16, 18, 19, that there is where, where um, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the son of God. And his reply to Peter is, on this rock, I will build my, and you have the keys to the kingdom. So what does this look like for us? What's the where? Come on, Tom, where's the where? What does this look like for 2022? I want to give you two scriptural verses before I unpack it. Now, they come sequentially in the Bible. The second one comes first, but I have switched them around because they form one continuous sentence. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Therefore, Matthew 28, Therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Therefore, go. If we're called to build the kingdom, and we are, this is done one disciple at a time in an ever-widening circle, and it starts at home. So I'm going to use the Jerusalem throughout Judea the Samaria, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. I'm going to use that in a sequential process of what we are wanting to build into this church this year. Jerusalem equals home. 
We have a couple of times already run a, a parenting course called Sticky Faith. This is, this is the book. Uh, it's a, a short DVD series. Uh, we, have an, we had a couple of family connect groups that started. They did this course, and then out of that came a connect group. This whole course is literally it's about sticky faith. It's about having faith in your home, about raising your children. It, everyday ideas to build lasting faith in your kids. Faith that sticks. It's called sticky faith. And we've got our first course coming up. It's starting next Sunday, the 6th of March, for a period of weeks, five weeks. And then our, our, our desire is that out of that will come another connect group of people who want to go, how do we do this? Let's do this together. Let's keep doing this together. Let's, what's one of our foundational scriptures? Let's build each other up in this faith. So that's the first thing that we're, we're launching again for this year. The second thing is a home discipling tool, and it's this book here called The God Who's Glad to See You. It's written by Pastor Peter Morton, who actually was Amber's pastor in the church that she was in in Auckland before the family moved down here at the River, the River Church. And over a period of years, Pastor Peter has been spectacularly successful in teaching his children how to have a personal quiet time. And it's been so successful, he's put it in book form. And so our goal is, I've got 50 of these on order. We've, I think 22 of them have arrived already. We've got some more coming. But our plan is to put one of these books into the hands of the parents of our youth group age kids. So that as a family, as mums and dads, you can build into your lives and into the lives of your children how do you have a quiet time with God? How do you spend each time, each, sorry, spend each day just spending some time with God so that he can spend time with you so that your, Colossians chapter 2, let your lives be built in him. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing that we are establishing and wanting to launch this year, it's still, it's still in the building form right now, but we want to launch a discipling track that starts at zero and goes through to 18 years old. There is a terrifying statistic that says up to 80% of youth when they leave home and go to university will never fill the door of a church again. And that is kids raised in the church. That's not kids in the community. That's kids raised in the church. Our goal is that when kids reach 18 and they leave home and go to university, they know what they're going to study, they know where they're going to study, they know where they're going to stay, whether it's halls of residence or flatting or anything like that. When they land in Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch, Hamilton or Palmerston North, the first question they're going to ask is, where's my church? And we want to see that discipleship track from zero all the way through to 18. And, and there's, we've already got a good framework that's been starting to put together for that. And we will gradually roll that out this year. But this is the intentionality that I and my staff have for this year for this church. So that's home. That's Jerusalem. The next phase in that verse was throughout Judea, our immediate community. As you are all aware, uh, Joel is no longer on staff here as our youth pastor. Um, and I'll just so that you know, uh, Joel and Sally had a very bonny nine and a half pound baby boy last week. Uh, they were so sure, 
so sure they were going to have a daughter that their baby boy didn't have a name for the first few days. I still don't know if he has, but uh, he hasn't texted me and let me know. But uh, yeah, mum and bub are doing wonderfully. So that's really, really good news. But with, with Joel no longer being on staff uh, and no longer being here, I thought, right, we need to just pause and let's have a reset. Let's do a, let's do a, let's do a check. Let's do a system check. And at last year when Suzanne, when we put out that, that survey to the whole church around vaccines and everything, so we had a bit, of a, a bit of a picture framework that we could build our Sunday services, one of the results of that survey indicated that we had 30-something youth group age kids in our church. Well, we've, done, we've gone a little bit further than that, and we've gone right in and we've checked our database, which was out of date, and we've updated it. Uh, we've also looked at the role of uh, our school, and we've looked at the kids who are in our church who are on that role that weren't on our database. And we've looked at the kids in our college who, um, they're part of our school, but we, we can't find any affiliation for them in a youth group or another church in town. When we put all that together, plus a, a small handful of kids who aren't part of any church, but were really engaged in youth group under Joel's leadership, we came up with a list of 71 kids. 71 kids. That's a big youth group. And so um, on the uh, Friday the 11th, Friday the 11th of March, we are relaunching Oxygen. And uh, just because of current restrictions and everything, right now we're going to be using, doing a small group format. So we, we've got four connect groups. Uh, we're gathering all that. We've had just this amazing, so exciting group of people who have stepped up and said, look, we want to be involved. We're really keen to help. And we had them all around at our home. And we had 17 people in our lounge a couple of weeks ago. I'm sitting there going, oh, just about crying. I was like, this is awesome. So we're going to get them all together in our place again next Friday and just say, hey, look, guys, this is what we're looking at. Amber has been using, in the children's church, she's been using the orange curriculum for our kids, our littlies and, our, and going up. Well, we've discovered that Orange actually has uh, an extended curriculum for our intermediates and our teens, and we're going to be launching and probably looking into that. We're going to be unpacking that with our leaders next Friday. And then Friday the 11th, we launch four Youth Connect groups uh, under great leaders, and I'm so excited about that. The next thing that uh, you'll see up there, Voltage, Intermediate Age Youth, um, a couple of years ago, we rebranded our um, Elam Youth and we rebranded it, called it Oxygen, because the youth program of Elam right throughout the nation is called Oxygen. And we wanted to bring it in alignment with our, with our Elam Fano. And so we're rebranding Project 78 to, and calling it Voltage, because that brings it into alignment with our whole nationwide Elam Fano. So when you think of the words that we use, it's actually pretty powerful. So we start with the Little E's. We've got Sparks, who graduate up to Power Zone who will graduate up to voltage, step into oxygen, and we hope that by that stage they'll be ignited for Jesus Christ and they'll set the world on fire for the Messiah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just looking at a bunch of things and again, linking in with our wider Elam Fano around the whole voltage thing. And, and so we're launching that again very shortly. Um, and then we've got our growth track, which is, again, it's an Elam-wide thing. And many of you know that. Many of you have done that. Our first growth track for this year starts next Sunday. And we're going to be doing that in the second service. So um, you don't need to take an extra night out or an extra day. You come to the first service and then go and do growth track. And there's a sign-up form out there uh, on the resource table for that.
And then connect groups, well, that's a very core part of our church. And we want to see those expand and multiply. Okay, so we've got Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. That's our wider, wider community, our neighbors. And then we've got our school. We've got our Super Kids Holiday Program. We've got the dates locked in. In Jesus' name, we will be at a level where we can run Super Kids because it's been two, almost two. We've done one program in two years. And our community is just, can we have Super Kids again? And it just reaches you know, up to 300 kids a day with the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus. And then the ends of the earth, well, that's beyond our boundaries. And, and the elders and I, we're starting to talk about a, a bit of a review on our whole missions perspective in that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7 says, Let your roots grow down deep into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth. Thank you, worship team, would you come? Truth in the ta- truth that you were taught. We are to take what we believe and what we have been taught because we have let our lives grow down deep into him and our lives are built on him. He gives seed to the sower. We are to take what we have been given and invest it into those in our immediate home, in our close community, our wider community and beyond. We are to build. Let your lives be built on him. Build each other up. You are God's building and present yourselves as building stones, vibrant with life. So we are trying something brand new this morning in that each of you will have been uh, encouraged to pick up one of these on the way. This is, these are, this is our new all, <laughs> all sealed, connected in one unit communion. So that at, just from a safety and a health perspective, we weren't handing stuff out and everything, so you've got your own there. We're going to be going through a part of this new song that we did today, Fresh Wind. And as we do, I want to encourage you this morning to take a moment. Think about what you know God's will is for your life. Invite the Holy Spirit to step into that. And then as you take communion, I'm kind of standing at the back of the stage here. As you take communion, you know what? Jesus gave his all to plant the church. And then he rose to heaven and he left the responsibility with us to build the church, to build his kingdom. Sorry, he planted the kingdom, established his church. Now he wants us to establish his kingdom while he builds the church. So this morning, as, as the team sings over you, take a moment. God, what is it that I can give to you afresh? What is it that you'll say yes to God about for this year for build? And then as you do that, as you take communion, make this a holy moment and give it to God.